The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. We're going to talk a little about guns today. We're going to talk about shooting. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about stupid people doing stupid things and ending up taking a dirt nap. <clears throat> That's where we're going to start today. I start with a woman who was fatally shot after she returned home from a hit-and-run crash where she pointed a firearm at a person she hit with her car. Okay. So, Miss Morales allegedly intentionally hit Andrew Durr, a 40-year-old motorcyclist, with her blue Kia. And then they tried to get her to pull over after the accident happened, and she fled. She took off, ran from the scene of the accident. So then the motorcyclist got back on his bike, followed her home, which, okay, right there, I think that's probably a mistake. Get the tag number. See if she stops going here. Get the tag number. Get a description of the car. You know, something. Or if you get to her house, don't. And I don't know where he pulled up or how close he was to her, but he was close enough to where she obviously saw him pull up and said, oh, my God, you're following me. I feel threatened, blah, blah, blah. So she went inside her house to get a gun, came out with the gun, pointed it at the motorcyclist. He then pulled his own concealed carry, which he was which was legal for him to carry. He was permitted and shot her fatally. Now, she did get to the hospital, but she died shortly after. So, But she was hit. She had hit and run this guy on a motorcycle first and then fled the scene. And then when he followed her, she decided she was going to shoot him. There are so many things wrong with this story. I mean, it's just so many things that could have been done differently. You know, I understand the lady was a little scared. Somebody, A motorcyclist follows her home. Now, granted, after she hit him, but she was fleeing the scene, so he apparently tried to, to to get her get her attention, get her to pull over, get her to own up to what she did. Now, supposedly she intentionally hit him because she was upset at the way he was driving or the fact that he was in the lane next to her or pulled over in front of her, whatever it was. She apparently decided she was going to hit him because she didn't like the way he was driving. <clears throat> so this is just crazy. But, you know, apparently if you point a gun at somebody, be prepared to be fired back on. Now, the motorcyclist hasn't been charged, and the lady apparently is dead, so she won't be charged with a crime, or she might be posthumously. I don't know if that's a thing or not. But be careful. Don't pull a gun on somebody when they just want you to own up for your crimes. That's just ridiculous. And if you're in, if you're outside your house, you certainly shouldn't be doing that, especially if they're not threatening you in any way. And apparently the guy was just sitting on his bike waiting. I guess he was trying to call the police or something, and she came out, pointed the gun at him, and then she, he shot her. It's like, you know what, that just seems stupid. You know, so the, uh, the, I had a 911 call, and they don't say who it was who called. I don't know. But it was just an interesting story. I mean, don't point a gun at a biker, especially after you hit him and knock him down and then flee the scene. You wonder what she was fleeing from. Was there some issue? Did she have a license? Did she have some sort of immigration issue? I don't know. Was she wanted for child abuse? Was she wanted for assault and battery? Was she a gang member? I don't know what the story was, but she took off after the accident because she apparently wanted to avoid being questioned or being stopped by the police for some reason. So she, Or maybe she was just scared. I don't know. But if she was scared, I wouldn't think she'd run into her house, grab a gun, and then threaten somebody. But anyway... Sounds like we have a little bit of chlorine in the gene pool to help eliminate some of the, uh, let's call them human algae 
<laughs> that, that fill up our gene pool from time to time. But, you know, be careful out there, especially on a motorcycle. I understand cars do not see you very well. I've been riding for more than a quarter of a century, so I understand this. And to me, it's gotten a lot worse lately because people are so easily distracted by music, their phones, whatever in their car that keeps them occupied. They don't always pay attention to what they're doing. So be aware of that if you ride a bike. But also... I don't know if I'd follow somebody home if I was able to get a tag number prior to that. Or if you do follow them home, stay a little bit further away. When the police get there, you can point it out. It's the blue car right there. That's the one that hit me, and she ran away. And there was enough witnesses apparently at the scene to, to <coughs> corroborate his story. <clears throat> now we're going to have to go to a sad story in Texas. A Texas man during a hunting accident, apparently over the Thanksgiving weekend, so this was a couple months ago, had fired a shot at... I guess an animal was firing a shot to sight in a weapon, was firing a shot for whatever reason, and it ended up going into his house and shooting his own 11-year-old daughter. So she was a victim of a hunting accident, and I'm sure the gun nuts are going to drag this to the ends of the earth and think, oh, my God, this should never happen, and it should never have happened. One of the four rules of gun safety, be aware of your target and what's behind it. Apparently, he was unaware of what was behind it. But all the people in her school are, are having a memorial. They're all encouraged to wear purple because that was her favorite color. And they're going to have a 50-mile walk against gun violence. Now, to me, there was no violence here. There was no intention. There was no premeditation here. It was strictly an accident. Would they have been so upset? Would they have been so motivated to have a 50-mile walk if she had been killed in a car accident? It was an accident. It was not a deliberate act of any type. But the fact that a gun was involved, they're going to blame the gun. They're going to blame everybody who has a gun. They're going to say nobody should have one. Yeah, when you get out of your car because you're afraid you might hit somebody or cause an accident, then you can talk to me about your gun your gun rules. But this is just ridiculous. I mean, it's sad that it happened. It certainly is. But the fact that they're having a walk to discourage gun violence, there was no violence here. Violence, in, I think that would indicate an attitude or a uh, motivation to do something. Someone is actually angry or upset or mad about something. They're going to be violent. There was no violence here whatsoever. But anyway, they're going to investigate and see if there's any charges. But apparently, white-tailed deer season had just began where he was in Harrison County, Texas. And apparently, he was hunting. And apparently, he ended up accidentally, a stray shot went and killed his daughter. Which I'm sure, just the thought of that has got to be just crushing this guy's soul. I can't believe he's, you know, in any way this was deliberate at all. I mean, especially since he probably never even saw where the bullet went. But he didn't follow the four rules of gun safety. One, assume every gun is loaded. Two, never point a gun at anything you don't intend to shoot. Three, keep your finger off the trigger until you are on target. Four, be aware of your target and what is behind it. Apparently, he failed at rule number four. These should always be enforced, always be thought about. Because if you if you start getting really comfortable with a gun, that's when you'll tend to get lax with it. That's when you'll tend to make mistakes. So be careful and follow all the rules all the time. Now we're going to get to California because, you know, if you're talking about gun laws, California is uh, they're probably one of the kings of ridiculous gun laws. Them in New York, I think they go head to head trying to compete to see who can be the most anti-Second Amendment. 
And some of you might believe, oh, you don't have the right to stop a criminal with a gun if he's just stealing from you. But then again, you've got to realize how, how far do you let these people go if they're stealing from you? How, how Do they have to have a gun? Can they have a knife? What about, you know, tear gas? Can they throw tear gas at you or spray you with bear spray? Is that, you know, it's supposed to be less than lethal, but, you know, the wrong reaction from somebody could be lethal. So anyway, they had an attempted smash and grab robbery of a jewelry store. And when they arrived... They start, They covered their faces, and the driver stayed in the car. They deployed a large canister of bear spray on the people inside the store. But the business owner had a legally owned firearm, and the police and the men ran to their car and drove away. So it's, it says, obviously, no charges were filed against the owner. I think it's not that obvious. In California, just the fact that he pointed a gun or produced a gun to threaten somebody with it... I would think they would try and push that into his corner, but apparently there are no charges being filed yet, which is great. Because these guys come in, set off a you know a canister of tear gas or a can of you know pepper spray on these people in there. That could you know it's less than lethal normally. I understand, but it causes you know extreme reactions. It can cause permanent damage sometimes, especially the bear spray. It's never meant to be used on people. It's meant to chase a bear away, you know, a 1,500-pound animal intent on killing you, and you spray this on people. Now, apparently, it's believed that these same four guys or five guys who did this were involved in at least two other robberies. So they weren't new to this by by any measure. This is something they had been doing. And now it's it's crazy because California has their $950 rule. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but... Anything in California that's stolen or shoplifted or robbed of $949 or $950 or less, I think it's $949 or less, is not a punishable crime. You can't be arrested for a crime of less than $950. I think it was last week or week before we talked about a guy in his store. He had a store and he priced everything in his store. He added $950 to every price in his in his store. So basically everything there was over $950. So anything stolen or taken from him would be considered a crime that you could be arrested for. Now you may wonder how do how does he still keep his store in business by pricing everything so high? Well, if you come in and you look like a customer, he'll tell you right away, here's a book of coupons that give you a $950 discount on any item in the store. <laughs> So essentially, you know, you want that pack of gum for that's $950.69? Here's your $950 coupon to take $950 off of that. To me, it's a brilliant strategy. It's a uh, an effect of American ingenuity that can't be matched. How do you stop people from robbing you? Make everything a felony in your store. Make them, if they steal anything, it's a felony. <clears throat> And the whole idea that they're willing to raise the limit so high means insurance rates in California are going up, obviously, because stores can't afford to lose $900 worth of stuff every day or three times a day or whatever it is when they come in and steal stuff. So I don't know what they thought this was going to be, but now they've got four of the guys in custody, and it's likely the fifth will be arrested soon. They're probably interrogating everybody, trying to find out what these guys are. So... But he stopped them, you know. Now, if people had been gassed or robbed, I mean, I wonder if they had used something more serious. What if they had used some sort of gas that, you know, would damage your eyes permanently or cause some kind of lung damage? 
And in some people, it may have. You spray them with the wrong stuff, and they breathe it deep into your lungs. It can certainly cause damage. Would it kill them? Possibly, if they had the right you know condition that would cause it to be more fatal or more dangerous to them. Absolutely. <clears throat> So I think the guy did right, pulled his gun, stopped these guys, didn't shoot any of them. They apparently saw the error in their ways and realized you don't bring tear gas to a gunfight. And the fact that they were running out, he really didn't have the right to shoot at them as they were leaving. Which, you know, they used to shoot horse thieves. Now, if they steal property, you're not supposed to shoot somebody for stealing property unless they threaten your life somehow with it. I don't know how that comes into play. If someone's trying to run you over with your own car, are you allowed to shoot your car? Can you shoot through the windshield and kill the guy if he's trying to run you over? Who knows? You'd have to ask somebody, uh, a DA in California, how they would try and uh, press charges against somebody defending their property against the smashing grabbers or the robbers they have out there. And I'm just, I just wonder if they're ever going to repeal this. The $950 rule just puts so much at risk out there. <clears throat> I mean, most of these stores can't afford to lose that much in a robbery. And if they did, how long would they be able to stay open? I mean, I know a lot of small businesses, they have insurance to an extent, but something like this, I imagine the insurance rates must be skyrocketing for people in California, especially if they're in businesses where they're susceptible to a smash and grab or to a quick robbery. All right, we're going to be back right after the break. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and we're listening to America's Web Radio. You're, you're listening. I'm actually listening, too. But <clears throat> before we left, we talked about the uh, smash-and-grab robberies in California, and that's just something that's going to have to work itself out eventually, or businesses are going to be flocking away from California in record numbers, and Californians are going to have to pay to get everything shipped in through Amazon or some big companies who can ship stuff to their house because there's local stores are going to have nothing in stock. Why would you stock something if you take a risk of losing $950 Every time somebody walks in and decides to grab something and they know they're not going to be arrested for it. <clears throat> I mean, is there any other way to kill an economy faster than allowing that? I don't know. But that certainly seems like one of the best ways to do it. Anyway, that's just, oh, that irritates me so bad. I hope no other states decide to adopt that. I think that New York is looking at similar 
things as far as a really high limit so they don't have to go arrest people who are shoplifting. It's just, you know, why even, if the police are that busy and they don't want to be bothered with stuff like that, then why even make it a law at all? Are you, can, why don't they just change it to where you're allowed to shoot shoplifters and let's just call them looters? Because in a lot of states, you can shoot looters. That's no problem. You loot, we shoot. I'm sure in New York and California can't do that because the criminal has all the rights and the citizens have none. But any of you who are still there and dealing with this, it's time to either start voting differently or time to move. I mean, I know it's tough to make a big move like that, but California is losing more people every year than the year before. More people are flocking away from California and it's ridiculous laws, particularly gun laws. Their roster system has eliminated most handguns from being sold in California. The only reason Glock still manufactures its Gen 3 version of the pistol is because that's the only one that can be sold in California. If they stop making the Gen 3, then California Californians will no longer be able to buy a new Glock at all. None. And it's just going to remove more and more handguns off the roster system until they're, you're never able to buy a handgun again. Now, this is something that somebody really needs to threat to threaten them with because to make requirements on guns like that is ridiculous, especially with technology that doesn't hardly exist. Yeah, you might be able to get a gun to do this theoretically for thousands and thousands of dollars, but to make it regular, commonplace, that's ridiculous. But yet the law enforcement... And politicians, bodyguards, can have whatever they want. So that's just for the common, the common pawns, the common peasants who live in California. If you find yourself in this peasant class of people, you should consider moving. Get out of California. Don't stay there. Or if you do stay there, do your best to vote these idiots who are passing these ludicrous laws out of office. And if you don't vote, then you're part of the problem because if you don't vote, you're allowing the other people who do to put people in charge of you who you don't like. So good luck with that. And then there's other states, other uh, municipalities who are going the other way, and they're trying and they're passing sanctuary laws and declaring their city, their county, their state is a sanctuary place. That's not affected by gun laws they don't see as constitutional. Now, this has been battled back and forth in a bunch of states. There's been a few legal battles here, like there's one in Kansas that I'm particularly fond of bringing up because it was about uh, suppressors. Apparently, you could make a suppressor and sell it in Kansas according to Kansas law as long as it didn't go outside the state. As long as it didn't leave the state and become interstate property or interstate commerce, you were able to do this, according to Kansas. But according to the federal government, it still falls under federal jurisdiction to have it permitted, stamped, and all that stuff. But there was a gentleman selling these suppressors, marked made in Kansas, for use in Kansas only, or something like that, to clarify that these were being sold without federal interaction, without any federal permits, without any federal stamps. But you had to keep them within the state because if they traveled outside the state, they would fall under interstate commerce and they were regulated by the federal government. But apparently the federal government says, no, 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 you can't do this even if you do keep it within the state and you can't make a law that violates federal law or you can't not enforce laws that, that violate federal laws. Oh, oh, wait, unless it has to do with marijuana or drugs or immigration, then you can ignore whatever laws you want. We don't care about those laws. We're just going to selectively enforce these laws. Anyway, this court ended up, this case ended up going to court 
And normally, a suppressor charge is a felony, $10,000 fine, up to 10 years in prison. They let these guys off, apparently, with just a warning and a $600 fine. So apparently, nobody's rights were lost during this. They didn't uh, end up having a felony charge. So it's obviously that the Kansas law would have upheld if they had gone to a higher court. It would have been more of a problem. They probably plea bargained this down, and the guy says, yeah, for 600 bucks, I'm willing to let it go away if you don't affect my future from here on out. <clears throat> and apparently that's where they ended up. And there's a $600 fine. They arrested the, the manufacturer of the suppressor and the guy who was gleefully demonstrating and showing his suppressor off on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it was. And apparently that's where the Fed saw this and went, hey, what do you mean he got a suppressor without a stamp in one day? Which seems kind of silly anyway. A suppressor is just a muffler for a gun. It makes your hearing last longer if you don't have to, if you don't have to hear the, the boom of the gun every time it goes off. But then these states are going, well, maybe a federal background check is not such a bad idea. Even though we're a constitutional carry and we have, we're a sanctuary city or state, maybe we're still going to allow federal background checks to be run. And there are a few who are doing this. What state was this? I'm trying to find it. Yeah, but it was funny because they go off there, be a sanctuary city. But in New Hampshire, they're deciding that even though they have constitutional carry and they want federal background checks on weapon purchases. So, you know, at least they're leaning the right way, but they are implementing some. This is what I would. This is might be one thing I could call common sense. <clears throat> Anybody legally allowed to own a gun should be able to have one, carry it where they want, have it, you know, in their house, in their car, carry it any business they want to. But someone who's not allowed to have a gun, if you put it in their hands, it's just going to cause more problems because they'll be the kind of people who will make the crazy liberals go nuts and want to implement background checks or super checks on everybody and take everybody's guns away because one criminal ended up getting a gun because there were no background checks in place. If that were to happen... That would be a problem. Most criminals get their guns through the criminal route by stealing them, taking them from someone else. You know, that's that's the easiest way to get one. Why go to a store and buy one when you can't? Just go steal one. Go break into a house and steal whatever you want, especially if it's in California, less than $950. It's not even a crime anymore. You can't even be arrested for that. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this because I believe in the idea of constitutional carry, but I also don't want criminals, I don't want uh, child abusers or domestic abusers to have access to weapons. <clears throat> so how do you stop them without stopping the law-abiding citizens? You have to have some sort of background check. However, I think we should compromise on this in some way by saying, okay, if you pass a federal background check, then you get a federal carry permit which would allow you to carry a weapon in any state in the United States without having to go through any additional checks. Or even if you want to have additional checks to get this permit. But once you have that permit, you can carry a gun anywhere. That way, it will give you something in exchange for giving up on on federal background checks or, or sanctuary cities being able to have a way to give something back. So we'll see. I don't know that that's ever going to happen because so many states are so hardcore against it. Could you imagine a federal permit that you're able to get relatively easily, shall issue, as opposed to non-issue or may issue? For those of you who don't know what that means, shall issue means they issue as long as you fill out the forms properly, you have no 
reason to not get it, they'll give it to you. May issue means you need to have permission from the state somehow or you need to prove your need to own a weapon. That's like California, New York, New Jersey, Illinois. All these are May issue. So they have complete discretion over who they're going to give gun permits to and who they're not, which is ridiculous because the Constitution clearly states any law-abiding citizens should be allowed to keep and bear arms. But uh, So we'll have to see. I mean, it'd be great if they come out with a constitutional carry and a permit that allows you to carry nationally, a national carry permit. It would seem like a, something liberals would go for because, hey, here you do an extensive background check on somebody, do their federal background check, then and only then do they get a permit to carry and then carry in any state they want. Now, granted, there may be restrictions on courthouses, airports, things like that. You know, I guess you don't want it on a plane, even if you're not a criminal. What if it falls out or it gets exposed somehow? Somebody takes it from you and decides to use it in a harmful way. You'd have to be extremely careful with that, with a lot of people in a small space like that. <clears throat> but anyway, something to consider. Is the federal background check something that could still be considered in a state with constitutional carry? Would they still want a background check, buyers? I would think so, but, you know, I guess it just doesn't... Uh, it doesn't matter until it comes down to it. They're going to have to push is going to have to come to shove before this goes. But now let's go to another non-gun state, Illinois. In Chicago, there's a woman there with a concealed carry permit who fought back while her gun with her gun while two armed would-be carjackers approached her while she was in the car. And she feels like without her gun, she would have been dead right now. It was a 42-year-old woman getting into her car outside a bank in Chicago's Roseland neighborhood when the suspects approached her, pulled out a handgun. She had just gotten cash out of the out of the bank machine. It was still her hand when this happened. So she just came out of the bank sitting in her car, about to lock the door and pull off when the guy opens the door, puts a gun in her face. What are you going to do? What does she do? She pulls out her own gun and starts shooting at the suspects. <laughs> and she said... The guy who she first pointed the gun at gave her a look of surprise when he started shooting, and he started running. And she doesn't even remember how many shots she fired. She just started, oh, well, i got to get this quote right. Do you know how many shots you, she can't recall how many shots you, do you know how many shots you fired? Hell no, just started busting. <laughs> she was busting caps. So far, nobody, no injuries have been reported. So apparently her marksmanship skills can use a little bit of improvement there. <clears throat> but she didn't hit any, um, she didn't hit any instant bystanders either, which is good when you start, start busting. <laughs> When you just start busting, then, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But apparently she didn't hit anybody. But there were two suspects, she guesses, between the ages of 20 and 25 that came after her and decided to do this. But she had a valid concealed carry license and a firearm owner identification card, the FOID card, which is what's required to buy ammo and weapons in Chicago or in Illinois. So, and she says... She prays every night she won't have to shoot anybody, but she's going to be prepared and ready. <laughs> and she says, so God, I was ready. And there it was. She was prepared, ended up shooting at the suspects trying to carjack her, and they ended up running away, which is, you know, sometimes retreating is the better part of a day. <laughs> I, I, I liked your uh, story last week when... Uh why did you shoot him six times? Oh, why did you shoot him so many times? Because evil can't be dead enough. Well, no, the other one was... was other one? Uh, I, why did you shoot him six times? Because on the seventh, 
it went, it just went click. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's all the bullets I had in the gun. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny. Yep. I mean, you know, if someone's, you know, that's what you're taught. If you actually get trained in deadly firearms force, you shoot until the threat is no longer a threat. Whether it means somebody falls down, the gun points away from you, they run away without the gun pointing at you. Whatever it takes to make that no longer a threat, you keep shooting until the threat is no longer a threat. And then you reload. Yeah, and then you reload and make sure they're – because evil can never be dead enough. That was that sheriff who said that. That's right. They unloaded on the guy who fired at cops, and I think they had – Five or six people shooting at him. They recorded a huge number of rounds being fired at him, in him. <laughs> he was DRT, dead right there. And the, and the sheriff said, because evil can never be dead enough. I like that, and that's right. <clears throat> now, in New York, you know that New York is not a very firearm Second Amendment-friendly state. In fact, they're probably in the top two. But them in California could duke it out to be the very worst as far as in allowing Americans to enforce their rights or in allowing them to have their rights. And when we come back, we're going to talk about New York's, New York's new law that will go into effect shortly. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We're back. You're listening to Locked and Loaded. I'm Roger B., and this is America's Web Radio. Now, before we left for the break, we're talking about New York and their another attempt by them to stop gun ownership, stop gun manufacturing, stop guns from being part of American life as they have been for over 200 years. In fact, New York has been home to many gun manufacturers for years and years and years. In fact, Remington, one of the oldest gun manufacturers in America, recently left New York as a manufacturer there and opened up plants, I believe, in Alabama and somewhere else. 
Texas, maybe. I don't remember. But, yeah, they got out of there. They got out of New York finally. I mean, why would you want to be in a state that is so adamantly against what you do for a living or what you manufacture, what you make, how your business operates? Now, the state in New York is one of those anti-gun states that, you know, they want to duke it out with California to see who's the worst. And apparently they're they're going to this new measure. One of their latest things is they're allowing people to sue gun manufacturers because of the actions of a third party. Now, that's illegal already. Federal law says you can't do this. That's like if you sue the auto manufacturer for someone who runs you down with their car. You know, as long as the car didn't malfunction or have any issues and somebody deliberately used it as a weapon, there is no reason why you should hold the manufacturer responsible. That's what they're talking about doing here, making the gun manufacturers responsible for someone misusing, using illegally their product. I don't know how you can even consider this as a possibility. And federal law, first of all, prohibits this entirely. So if anybody, if this ever does come up, it's going to have to be pushed to the federal level and say you cannot do this. But again, the federal... The federal bureaus only enforce the laws they want. Oh, you don't want to enforce immigration laws? No problem. Just let all the illegals come in. Give them driver's licenses, even though it's illegal. We don't care about that. Oh, you want to have marijuana be legal? That's fine. Go ahead. Do it. We don't care about that. You know, it's just, you know, if you're going to make the laws, make them equal, equitable across the board. Now, I'm not saying either of these should or shouldn't be. Like I say, with the marijuana, if you want to do that, that's fine. Smoke whatever you want. I don't care. Now, don't do it while you're driving. Don't do it while you're endangering somebody else's life on the road. That's not fair. That's not right. And that should be still a crime. But if you want to do it in the privacy of your own home, if you want to smoke yourself into oblivion, that's fine. Have at it. I don't care. And there are people who say, oh, no, I do. I drive better when I'm stoned. The test results are in THC, slows down your response time, it dulls your senses, it makes it harder to be as good a driver as you can be. I'm not saying everybody who smokes is going to have an accident, just like everybody who drinks is not going to have an accident. But it makes it more likely, it increases the chances, it 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 lowers <clears throat> your ability to make proper judgments and react as quickly as you could if you're not stoned or drunk. But aside from that... Those laws, oh, you can ignore those. We don't care about those. We're just going to enforce the laws we want. And here we're going to see what happens when New York's law allowing third-party lawsuits, actions of third-party lawsuits to come into play. This is just going to open up. This could be the end of society as you know it or end of manufacturing in the United States. Imagine if every product manufacturer was liable for anybody misusing their product against somebody else. whether it be a knife, a chainsaw, a hammer, bath salt crystals, whatever. If you do anything with that product that the that the manufacturer did not design it to do or did not, you know, make it for, that manufacturer will be held responsible for your misuse of their product. Now, they're probably going to stop at the guns for now, but once they get the guns, will they go to vehicles? Will they go to tools? Will they go to anything else to try and limit those? Anything they want to make illegal, they will push this onto it. They will make this a way to stop manufacturing of guns anywhere in the United States if you're allowed to sue the manufacturer for someone else misusing the product. And it's a shame because these manufacturers will have to be able to defend themselves in court if these lawsuits are brought. And that would especially be in New York. Now, outside of New York, I wonder if the manufacturers would just quote federal law and say, you know, drop dead, 
get lost. Screw you. This is completely illegal, and we're not going to respond to it. We're not going to do anything to it. In fact, we have federal law on our side that says you can't do this. But I wonder if the other states will go along with this, if they're... I guess if they're sympathetic toward New York's anti-gun attitude, then maybe they will. Like if someone in California sues somebody for something manufactured in some state based on the New York law, would that go to trial? Would it end up being enforced? California would probably say, yeah, let's do it. Hell, we should have that law also. Let's make that happen. But, you know, what's going to happen is there's going to be um, people are going to start manufacturing more and more ghost guns, more and more things that are not registered, because that way there won't be a manufacturer to be sued, because the manufacturers are going to stop selling guns to, to citizens. They can say it's not worth the liability. Our insurance goes up 10, 20 times what it was, because we're responsible for that idiot who doesn't know how to use a gun or uses his gun in an illegal manner. <clears throat> and if this goes to other, to other things, that's going to be insane. Imagine you not be able to buy chainsaws or hammers or, or knives or pickaxes or any other thing that might be able to be used as a deadly weapon because the manufacturers will be held responsible for people using their stuff illegally. It's completely ridiculous. Hopefully, the, the Supreme Court will step in, rule this unconstitutional, and say you can't do this because you can't punish a company for something that is out of their control. Now, granted... If the gun malfunctions, if it has a safety issue and causes harm, that's an entirely different story. That's a lawsuit just waiting to happen. But to sue somebody for illegal using, illegally using or misusing their, their product is completely illegal, violation of federal law. And we'll just have to wait and see how this pans out. But hopefully this will get shut down very quickly because there's a federal protection law in place for manufacturers of all kinds of things like this. Not just guns, but other things too. Third party lawsuits are not usually accepted because they're not they're not right. So we'll have to see how that comes comes to play. Now we're gonna head north. All the way north. All the way north to the Cana- Canadian border and head into Canada and see what's happening with them. Now, I don't know if you guys realize, but back in uh <clears throat> I think it was back in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one they had a shooting in Canada, and they decided to make all guns they deemed dangerous or assault weapons or high-capacity magazines or whatever it was. They had made some crazy laws about certain guns that they were going to deem to be illegal, and Canadians had to hand them in, destroy them, or dispose of them somehow. So apparently, they're supposedly between 90 to 105,000 of these guns in Canada. Now, the government has collected the huge number of 160 of these so far. So apparently, Canada Canadians are looking at their government going, oh, no, that's we're not about, about, about to turn all our guns in. They're not a boot to do that. So that's just awesome. I just That's 160 firearms in over a year. <clears throat> the Canadian Firearms Program... That's crazy. That's so great, though. That, and this is what people need to do, though. These laws are illegal. They're not, I mean, I don't know in Canada if there's, I'm sure they don't have a Second Amendment. I don't know what the laws are as far as gun ownership. But the Canadians are thinking, you know what? I have a right to have my gun. I bought it. I get to keep it. I can do what I want with it. And apparently that's showing by be in 105,000 guns, 160 are turned in. That's such a tiny percentage. It's almost negligible. 
and it's probably people who just had found guns that relatives left them or found guns that they didn't have any use for. I bet very few of them were actually law-abiding citizens who felt like, oh, yeah, I need to turn my gun in right away. I bet very few of them were that. But we don't know for sure because there are no numbers on that. But that is a crazy. And the April 22, April 2022 is a deadline for handing in the quote-unquote assault weapons. <clears throat> and then the Canadians are planning to collect. <laughs> they're planning on collect and confiscating the weapons from citizens. Now, this is going to be fascinating to watch. I am going to see them try and do this. And Canadians are known for being, you know, just stereotypically being very polite, very law-abiding, very go-along-to-get-along kind of attitude. But I wonder if that will change when the Canadian police are knocking on people's doors trying to get them to hand over guns that they may have had for generations that they feel are their rights to hold on to. And like I say, with such a low rate, I, you know, I need to figure that number out and come back. 105,000 into 160 has got to be, you know, it's a tiny, tiny percentage. It's less than 1%, less than half, less than a quarter of 1%. It's a teeny, tiny number, almost negligible. And I just wonder how they're going to do this. I'm looking forward to seeing those first guys knock on those doors to try and take guns away. Now, if you're in Canada, I suggest if you have like-minded people in your neighborhood, you guys band together. And as soon as you see anything like this happening, you notify everybody in the neighborhood what's going on. You all meet at the uh, whoever's the first one whose door gets knocked on. Every law-abiding citizen who has a weapon needs to meet over there and say, look, you're not going to do this today. We are going to stand in your way. If you want to go through all of us, then you can get to this this man's weapons. This man is our neighbor. He's our friend. We're going to stand up for our rights because if we let you take it from him, you're going to come to our house next. You're coming here next to get mine. That's not going to happen. And you may wonder, how can this possibly go through? You don't know. But then you saw the uh, the cattle land showdown they had with the federal government here in the United States. And enough people showed up to where the federal government realized, you know what? This is not worth causing this type of violence. If we start exchanging shots with these people, there's going to be people dead on both sides. It's going to be a huge mess. And people will doubt the government's ability to do the right thing from then on. And I wonder if the Canadian government will get to that deadline, April 30th, 2022, and will they say, you know what, we're going to start implementing, we're going to start looking at plans, we're going to start designing plans, but we're not going door-to-door just yet. So maybe they'll come up with some incentive for people to... uh keep their weapons or incentive for them to turn them in. Like maybe they'll just pay ridiculous amounts of money, which will probably be cheaper than them actually having people die trying to defend their right to keep their weapons. But we're going to have to see how that goes. I'm I'm fascinated to see this. I want to see how this goes. And uh, hopefully if they have a legal system that allows lawsuits, these Canadian citizens need to get in there and start suing the federal government up and down, up one side and down the other. They need to fix this. This is ridiculous, completely ridiculous. But you just wonder, if these people hold on to these weapons, eventually they'll all go away. If they don't allow sales of any new ones, eventually they'll go away. So they could probably just wait the population out unless they find a way to bring these weapons in or manufacture them themselves. I don't know what their laws are on manufacturing 80% lowers, if they're allowed to do that. Can they use a 3D printer or a CNC machine and make their own parts? That's the thing that's that's making these the 3D gun anti-3D gun people go crazy is that the ghost guns can be manufactured now with a minimal amount of skill and a maximum of efficiency. 
And because of that, you can also manufacture magazines. You can manufacture gun parts. A lot of these things can be manufactured with the new technology that's available. So I'm waiting to see if they're actually going to try and push this to stop things. They can make a law, but how are you going to stop people from doing what they want in their own on their own property, doing what they want to do? <clears throat> I don't know. We'll see. Okay, we're going to be back after a few messages. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio, or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall, and we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Hi, I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded. And today I'm going to do a little bit of talking about training. A lot of people ask me all the time, well, how do I get training? How do I learn how to use this new gun that I've got? Like I say, if you look at the numbers in 2020, 8.4 million people who have never owned guns before have bought a gun in 2020. I haven't looked up the numbers yet for 2021, but I remember seeing a lot of minorities and women who have never owned guns before are in the group of first-time buyers. So this is interesting because all these people have weapons now, and you wonder, some of them may have some idea how to use them. Some may have no idea how to use them. And once you learn how to use them, most learning is done at a local indoor range, I'm going to say. Now, granted, there are people who live out in the... more rural areas, but they probably already know how to use a weapon. They've probably been trained since the time they were a kid. But if you're a first-time gun owner, you live in an urban area, your first experience is probably going to be at an indoor shooting range. You're going to stand in behind a bar with two big walls on each side of you, and you're going to be shooting in a target anywhere from 2 to 25 yards away on a paper target. And that's going to be your experience. You're going to point the gun. You're going to shoot it. You're going to reload it. You'll shoot it again. And that's good. That's a good way to familiarize yourself with the weapon. But what if you've already done this? You go shoot paper targets maybe, you know, once a week or twice a month, and you've been doing this for several months on end, and it's getting a little boring. You want to increase your skill set, and you're not sure how to go about getting training. Okay, let's say you want to do some training on your own. You don't want to quite sign up for a class class yet. You're not quite that comfortable. You want to learn a few more things. You want to become a little more proficient. So I'm going to give you some training drills that you can do at the range that will be probably within legal limits or within rule limits of almost all ranges. Now, granted, a lot of ranges do not allow drawing from the holster. Some do. If they do, 
make sure you practice this hundreds of times before you ever do it with a live weapon. And again, four rules of gun safety. Do not treat every gun as if it were loaded. Make sure the gun is not pointed at anything you don't intend to shoot. And keep your finger off the trigger when your gun is not on target. This is one I can't stress enough. Trigger discipline is something that must be learned. It's got to be practiced every single time. Now, a lot of people I know, you pull the gun out of the holster, you pull it out of the box, your finger automatically goes into the trigger guard. Get out of that habit. Keep that finger straight, completely straight along the side of the gun, side of the trigger guard, until that gun is pointed at the target. Then the finger goes into the trigger guard, onto the trigger. Now, you may say, oh, what's the big deal? You know, it's not loaded, blah, blah, blah. Well, I've, I've witnessed this in person. A gentleman was shooting his gun. It wasn't empty, but he went to put it back in the holster. And as he did, his finger was in the trigger guard. The holster hit the finger. Finger hit the trigger. Gun went off. Ended up with a minor flesh wound, but still shot himself in the ass. Literally. <clears throat> and this is a guy who's had experience. He had been shooting for, for years. He was, a, he was an avid hunter, a shooter. He knew what he, he was supposed to know what he was doing. And he made that one slip up that one day. That finger was in that trigger guard when he attempted to reholster the weapon. So if you're going to learn how to use a holster, do it at home with an unloaded weapon. And when you draw, make sure it's pointed in a safe direction. So if for some ridiculous reason, the bullet fairy came and stuck a bullet in your gun when you weren't looking, if that gun were to go off, it wouldn't hurt anything. Okay, so you're at the range. You're not going to draw from a holster first. First, you're going to pick up the gun off your table. You're going to load it, set it back down. You're going to adjust your target. Now, you, most of you guys have the either the full man size targets or the smaller circle targets. Here's one drill I like to do. Take a large target, two foot by three foot, the large man size targets. Tape or staple paper plates onto the target. And you can draw on them if you want to with different colors, <clears throat> different color magic markers. At least you have two or three of those paper plates on that target when you send it down range. Then you're going to practice. You're going to make up a drill. Let's say you start one shot on each plate as quickly as you can, as safely as you can, but that gives you different points of aim for each shot. Or make it one, two, three. One in the first one, two in the second one, three in the third one. Then do it backwards. One, two, three, the opposite direction. Make sure you can change your target, not just sit there and concentrate on one focal point. This way, if you were ever to get in a situation and somebody was moving or the target wasn't still or there were multiple targets, you would have some practice in reacquiring your sight picture from target to target. And if you get a chance, you know, you can put paper plates in different places, put them further down, further up, more to the left, more to the right. You can hang them off the sides of the target holders. I've done that before with the, with the little binder clips. And you concentrate on changing your point of aim. This is the first thing you want to do because in a real-life situation, it's going to be dynamic. No one's going to stand right in front of you waiting for you to get your sight picture and start shooting. If they're moving or there's more than one of them, you want to be able to approach the situation and be able to put two shots on each target quickly and safely. Now, when you first start doing this, it's going to be a little slower because you may lose your sight picture when you shift from one plate to, to the other, from one target to another. When you shift targets, you may lose your sight picture. That's something that takes practice. You gotta maintain your grip, maintain your, your stance, and make sure the only thing moving is the gun and your eyes and head follow that gun and keep the sight picture lined up. It's, it's not as easy to do as you might think. When you change sight pictures or when you move targets, the sight picture can get blurred. You can lose the front sight somewhere. Learn to pick it up. 
And as you do this, you're going to get better and better at reacquiring your site picture or keeping the site picture as you move from spot to spot or from plate to plate or target to target. Now, if you have a range where you're allowed to shoot from one side to the other or they let you have more, you know, dynamic situation where you can run targets at different distances or or different distances between each other left and right and further back closer up like on an outdoor range you may have more flexibility there <clears throat> that's something to practice now as you get better at this you're going to say okay i'm pretty good at this i can hit all my targets now we're going to switch things up a little bit now either you or someone else it, hopefully you have at least three magazines with any handgun you plan on using for self-defense but whatever whatever you have load between one and five rounds in each of the magazines Hopefully you have four or five of them. But what you want to do is pick your target practice. Say, I'm going to shoot two on each target. You fire your rounds. You shift your target. Boom, click, where the slide locks back. You do a reload. You turn the gun to the right if you're right-handed. Turn the gun to the left if you're left-handed. Hit that release to allow the magazine to fall free or pull it out with your hand, whatever you decide you're going to learn to do. But make sure when you do this, your finger's off that trigger. I understand the slot is locked back and you can't fire it, but you're about to go hot again. And you want that finger off that trigger. (coughs) Excuse me. You do your reload, and then you get back on target as quickly as you can. This will give you practice in reload, or if you have a jam... You want to practice. If you have dummy bullets, you can put those in there with the live rounds. You hit a dummy bullet, what do you do to clear the gun? Now, when you first start doing this, it's going to instill a little bit of a sense of panic because you're not going to realize what happened. You'll start looking at the gun. When you do, don't turn the gun towards anybody. Don't. When you start looking at it to check a jam, make sure the muzzle stays down range. Or if you get a dummy round in there, learn what to do. Now, there are probably thousands and thousands of videos on YouTube with training exercises. Try and find one that's accredited or that by trainers you either recognize your names or by someone who recommends somebody. Because there's a bunch of people out there training people in methods that are just ridiculous. There's no other way to put it. Completely stupid. Stick to people who are, you know, well-known trainers who know what they're doing and practice these steps first and do it slowly like say magazine changes you can practice that in the house by just locking it back turn the gun over hit the magazine release either extract it let it fall bring a fresh magazine up from your belt or from the front of your table feed it in the correct way learn if you have the the magazines on your belt you got to learn to index them now you may wonder what that means when you grab that magazine if you have them facing where the front of the magazine is facing the front toward the target, when you grab it, your index finger should be on the front of that magazine. So when you turn it to put it in, it's going to be indexed front of the magazine to the front of the gun. Now, if you just stick them in any which way and you don't know whether they're backwards or forwards, you're going to have to figure out which way it is before you get it in the gun. Put it in the belt in a way that when you pull it out, you'll know which direction it goes, and you'll be able to push it right towards the magwell, get it seated with no issues. Now, another thing you want to do, this is something that people tend to do. They tend to drop the gun down and put it down in front of them when they're doing this, when they're reloading. You want to keep it up in front of you. You want to keep it in front of your face or just below your chin because that way when it's reloaded, you're going to be right there ready to go again. You're not going to have to pick your gun up, get it back on target, 
You'll be on target as soon as that gun's loaded and the slide is released. It's going to be in front of you. You'll be able to also, it'll keep you from looking down. You look down, you lose sight of what's in front of you. You could have multiple enemies, multiple targets in front of you. Keep your eye on your targets if you can while you're doing the reload. Eventually, when you do this, you're going to do it so fast and so quickly or so effectively, you're not going to be able to even, you're not even going to have to look at your hands. You're going to hold the gun up. You're going to be scanning left and right to see if there's any other targets just as a practice. You're going to be able to drop the magazine, put the new one in, and have the gun up and running again in no time. And you won't lose sight of your area where your targets are. You won't have to remove your vision from that area. You do it up high, you keep that going. Now, if you can do it down low and keep your eyes facing forward, that's okay too. You don't don't lose much time like that, but it's much easier to keep it in front of you. So if there is an issue, you can see it while keeping your eyes on target. And this is something that's difficult to do because most people tend to drop the weapon in front of them because that's how they're used to that's how they're used to doing it. They load it on the table, then they bring it up to shoot. If you're going to reload, you want to keep that reload out in front of you. Keep the gun high, bring the magazine up to the gun, don't bring the gun down to the magazine. And you want to practice combat situations, drop the magazine. If your gun has a drop free, let the magazine drop free and don't watch it hit the ground. Focus on your gun. Focus on the new magazine coming in. Focus on the way it's headed into the magwell. Practice the reload. Now, this is fun because you got your paper plates out there. You can have different colors or numbers on them. Have somebody... If you have a shooting partner, have them drop a, a number scheme between one and four, and you, they'll tell you the numbers, four, one, two, three. And that's the order you have to hit the plates in. And you go as smooth and fast as you can. If you only have two rounds in your magazine and you have to do a reload between plate number two and plate number four, so be it. Do it. Keep the gun high. Drop the mag out. Reload with indexing with that front finger. Keep it on the front of the magazine so it heads in the right direction. Get the gun up fast and running as quickly as you can. Now, granted, when you start, you're going to be doing this very slowly, very deliberately. Every move is going to be slow and deliberate because you want to learn these skills. You're building muscle memory. You're not trying to go super fast when you start. In fact, it should be you know months before you build up enough speed to where you feel like you're doing it fast enough. <clears throat> But you want to learn the motions. You want to be very careful because a gun is a potentially deadly weapon. And you want to be very careful, follow all the rules of gun safety, and do it slowly. Because slow is smooth, smooth is fast. If you learn to do it smoothly, you'll get faster much quicker than if you try and hurry and make mistakes. Better off to do it slow and correctly than quickly and full of mistakes. So do it slow, do it smooth. And away you go. You're going to be on your way to learning to do quick combat reloads. Plus, with the multiple targets, you're going to have a lot of fun. Rather than just shooting one hole in the paper from, you know, whatever yardage you're standing at, it'll make your shooting, your trips to the range, that much more fun and that much more of a learning experience. All right. Hope you guys learned something today. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.